Good afternoon and welcome to Newsbreak Talk with myself, Talisha Naidu, standing in for your regular Taresh Hari Pashad this Sunday. Well, with big news week this week and today we ended off with a recap of some of the bombshells that were dropped in the world of news. And as we go through them from political news to health news and even entertainment, I want to know from you, what have been your thoughts on these big news stories? Today, you have the opportunity to give your views a voice on a particular news story and tell us what you make of it. So you can call me in studio 089 or you can send me a WhatsApp message or even a voice note on 071-613-7803. I'll just repeat those numbers for you. You can call me in studio on 089-310-8789 or you could send me a WhatsApp message or a voice note on 071-613-7803. Do make sure though that your comment is regarding these top stories. Newsbreak, Lotus FM, powered by SABC News. So one of the big news stories of the week was the talk between Hanukum and Zuma. Well, as the secrets are about to uh, the removal of former President Jacob Zuma through a vote of no confidence motion in 2017 is out, our parliamentary correspondent Mercedes Besant looks back at how things unfolded until EFF leader Julius Malema revealed the name of ANC-NEC member Derek Hanukum in a plot to remove Zuma as a sitting president of the country. I have faced seven kind of uh, vote of no confidence. How did we vote on the seven? Former President Jacob Zuma during an oral reply session on the 22nd of June 2017, the same day when the Constitutional Court ruled in favor of the UDM that former National Assembly Speaker Balek Ambete had the discretionary powers to allow the use of a secret ballot when voting is conducted in a no-confidence motion in the President. So that is my view. Let us vote the way we've been voting all the time. It will be the eighth time. I'm sure by the time we get to December, it will be more than 10. During that period, former ANC Chief Whip Jackson Mtembu told SABC News in Parliament that ANC MPs were not bewitched to vote with the opposition against the former president. There is no way that we can come here, being deployees of the ANC, then vote to remove our president and our government unless we are bewitched and i can still assure you i am not bewitched and members of that caucus of the anc are not bewitched this matter has come before caucus caucus has deliberated on this matter openly and caucus itself has said we will not vote with the opposition Close to two months after the Constitutional Court ruling on the use of a secret ballot, Mbete ultimately made an unexpected announcement on the 7th of August 2017, just the day before the motion was debated. Having considered all the factors and mindful of the fact that this decision is not setting a precedent, I determined that voting on the motion of no confidence in the President on the 8th August 
that cough comes at a strategic moment. <laughs> I therefore determine that voting on the motion of no confidence in the President on the 8th of August 2017 will be by secret ballot. On the day of the August 2017 motion of no confidence debate, the leaders of the EFF, UDM and DA tried to persuade ANC MPs to vote with them. Do the right thing today. Vote with your conscience and remove this corrupt and broken president from office. Stop telling yourself a lie. The vote is secret. Your conscience will remain with you. You know we are telling the truth. In years to come, the history we are writing today shall not only be read and taught, but it will also determine the socio-economic and political future of our country. Whatever we do this afternoon, it must be for and about South Africa. After the debate, former President Jacob Zuma narrowly escaped the motion with less than 200 votes. The ANC had 249 seats in the fifth parliament. The opposition collectively had 151 seats. In a scenario in which it can be assumed that the opposition voted collectively in favor of the motion, this means the opposition had 26 ANC MPs who supported their motion. These were the results announced by Mbete at the time. They give a reflection of how MPs voted on the 8th of August during the 8th motion of no confidence in the former president. The results of the vote by secret ballot are as follows. The total votes, 384. The yes, 177. The no... 198. All the honorable members, I haven't finished. And there were nine abstentions. And therefore, the motion of no confidence in the president is accordingly negative. Following the outcome of the results at the time, UDM Chief Whip Ngabayom Zikwankwa said the outcome of the motion was good for democracy as he believed that close to 30 MPs voted with the opposition. But what is also important that we need to stress as a party is that uh, we want to say to President Zuma he must thank whatever gods may be for his narrow escape on, on, on Tuesday. Close to two years later, EFF leader Julius Malema revealed how his party worked with some ANC members like Derek Hanakom to remove the former president through a no-confidence motion. We were working with Derek Hanakom. Derek Hanakom is the one who gave us a list of ANC MPs who were going to vote with us against Zuma in the motion of no-confidence. Today, he says all types of things. says we are fascists and calls us names. Why did he work with fascism to remove Zuma in parliament? Tariq was preparing the exit of the ANC. 
I hope SG you still have those conversations with Derek Anakong. We've got them where Derek says to us, if these people win, we are going to form a party. And then today he wants to pretend as if he's, he's a loyal member of the ANC. Hanakom confirmed to the SABC political news desk that he had meetings with the EFF over the removal of former President Jacob Zuma. He says there's nothing wrong to meet with other political parties for a common interest. I do think a, a lot of fuss was made about something that is relatively insignificant because most of what was said was known. By the way, I've never kept, I've never made it a secret that I had these meetings because there's nothing secret about it. We met and had coffee. If to, if you want to really know where, we had it at the Mug and Bean at Eastgate. Very pleasant, very cordial, um, and so it shouldn't be confused with the criticisms that have been leveled against the EFF subsequently. So at that particular time, we had a common interest. Meanwhile, the former president has tweeted to indicate that he's not surprised by Hanakom's actions. He says, and I quote, I'm not surprised by Julius Malema's revelations regarding Derek Hanakom. It is part of the plan I mentioned at the Zondo Commission. Derek Hanakom is a known enemy agent, closed quotes. And that report by our political correspondent, Mercedes Bessent. Well, I'm asking you this afternoon, will this create more divisions within the ANC, an already divided ruling party, or will the ANC use this information and this now to remove Derek Hanukum as an ANC NEC member? You let me know that number to message me or even send me a voice note is 071-613-7803 or you could call us this afternoon. Let us know what you think of the stop story and that number to call us in studio is 089-310-8789. You can call us and give your views a voice. The views and opinions expressed on Newsbreak Talk do not represent those of SABC News or Lotus FM. Well, going back to some of the big news stories of the week, the embattled RK Khan Hospital at Chatsworth, south of Durban, is facing a 7 million rand lawsuit from the family of Abdul Sadiq Ibrahim. The 52-year-old Ibrahim was found with maggots in his mouth last month while admitted at the hospital. He later died. A video of the incident went viral on social media. Durban attorney Thiessen Pillay is representing the family and says they have issued letters of demand and claims for general damages. Pillay says Ibrahim's wife is claiming a two million rand, while their son, who witnessed the incident, is suing for five million rand. We've issued letters. Basically, these are what you refer to as letters of demand. Um, it's required before you issue summons, and it sets out the claim and the claim sum that we seek. Well, this is a travesty. I mean, no human being should suffer this ordeal. It's a basic violation of everyone's constitutional rights. Um, and, you know, your basic human rights have been violated in this matter, and it, it, there has to be some sort of justice. Who exactly is this claim addressed to? We've sent it to the hospital as well as the MEC's offices. So how much do you wish to claim in this case? The sum total being claimed is 7 million rand in damages. And can you tell me how exactly did you come up with this amount that your client wishes to claim for? This is what you refer to as a general damages claim. So it, 
the amount is in respect of the pain and suffering, the trauma. Um, the exact amount will at some point be quantified by the court once the court has heard the experts. On what grounds do you believe the family should be paid out on this matter? Well, this is a travesty and no human being should be subject to this sort of treatment. Um, the family have been extensively traumatized by you know, the, the, the images um, and what had occurred to their father. If payment is not made within 30 days, what is the intended action thereafter? Some, well, summons will be served um, and the matter will then go to court. Who exactly do you believe needs to be held responsible in this matter? The hospital will be held responsible, but um, payment will obviously come through the, the government. Since this matter came to light, what sort of engagement have you had with the hospital and the Department of Health? There's been minimal engagement, that's not from their, from their uh, perspective, and the, uh, we're proceeding with the litigation. And that was Durban Attorney representing the family of Abdul Sadiq Ibrahim Thiessen Pele talking to Newsbreak's Tashlin Naidu there. Well, the embattled RK Khan Hospital is definitely making headlines. The hospital uh, south of Durban in Chatsworth is uh, making headlines now with the Zondi family from Marin Hill, west of Durban, who says ever since their baby died following a miscarriage in May, they have been trying to locate the body. They say the hospital eventually gave them a body that they say was not that of their child. Last month, the KwaZulu-Natal Health MEC, Nomagugu Simalani Zulu, appointed a new CEO after allegations of patient mismanagement surfaced and a video of the 52-year-old patient that was Abdul Sadiq Ibrahim showing maggots in his mouth went viral. Nonkululeko Shlope with this report. We are sure that Kanye gave birth to a baby boy, and there are so many people who can testify to that. We are also parents. We can differentiate between a boy and a girl. These words were cited by Prenda Tube, a sister to Kanye Tube. The mother who has up arms accusing the hospital of allegations of stopping her sister's baby with another baby. Kanye. The mother initially insisted that she was sure that the baby was not hers as she gave birth at home and the baby the hospital claimed was hers was sick, whereas hers was healthy. After the SAPC went on with the story, the hospital conducted a DNA test to determine whether Kanye is a biological mother of a baby or not. The result came back confirming that Kanye Tube is a mother of a baby she gave birth to. Tube has since accepted the results. The results confirm that the baby is mine. The mistake was made by family members. The time I gave birth, it was difficult for me to see everything, but they insisted that my baby was a boy. Dube apologizes to the hospital staff and committed herself to be a good mother. I can confirm that I will look after my baby and I really apologize for the mistake. It was not my intention to drag the name of the hospital through the relative, Ntomifuti Tineza, says she had known all along that Dube is a mother of a baby girl even before DNA tests were conducted. 
Temasen figures better NPA and I told you to you, not in against you, I don't I saw the baby before DNA and I told them that Kanye is the mother of a baby. My ancestors had shown me that Kanye is the mother of a baby. I told Kanye the truth. Now let's go to the WhatsApp line. A few messages coming through regarding one of the top stories, one that we started the program with, and that's the conflicts now that's going on as some secrets are being about the removal of President Jacob Zuma through a vote of no confidence is coming out, and that happened in 2017. So we have Rajan Rajkumar in Cape Town who sends us a message saying Derek Hanukum's meetings with the opposition bears testimony that members were prepared to do whatever to save our country from state capture. The meeting took place in good faith for a good cause given the context of the time. It's sad that the EFF has now decided to play the man and not the ball. Uh, We have a message from Fiona saying with regards to the same story, Julius and friends should grow up. These guys are making fun of Trump but they are as pathetic as two-year-olds with their tantrums. That's coming through from Fiona. Another one from Ramba Mudli in Phoenix, who says EFF waited this long to reveal this about Hanukkah. It's all about court battles. And that message coming through from Ramba Mudli. Well, you do have time to send us some more messages. That number is 071-613-7803. Or you could send us a voice note on that number. Or you could even call me in the studio. And that studio number is 089-310-8789. Hussein Ibrahim is handling the lines there for us but uh, a caution coming through from him as well is it's not the time to call through to be a loyal Lotus FM listener it's the time to give your views a voice about some of the top stories on Newsbreak the top news stories for the week and we're bringing you all of that on Newsbreak today on Newsbreak Talk with myself Talisha Naidu stay tuned for more the views and opinions expressed on Newsbreak Talk do not represent those of SABC News or Lotus FM Exactly 1324. This is Newsbreak Talk. I'm Talisha Naidu. Now we do have a caller online and it's Ramba Nagia. Very good afternoon, Ramba. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing? I'm listening to the news every day. I listen to Lotus 24-7 with my radio on my bed. And I'm so happy with Radio Lotus that's providing us with the news that's happening to our hospitals. I think, you know, the health inspector should stay at a visit to all the hospitals, the local hospitals especially, mm. for what we are going through. And uh, I, I say the family that's chosen to and play is one of the best attorneys that we could ever find. Mm-hmm. God must bless him and give him more wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. He's a very good attorney. Thank you for taking my call. God bless you all. Have a nice day. I'll be listening to you. Thank you so much for your call, uh, Ramba. And uh, that's regards to the RK Khan story. Well, you can also send us a message about that this afternoon. Thank you for listening, Ramba, and for your comment coming through from a general source that we have. And you can tune into Newsbreak throughout the week for more about this, is that there is people from the KwaZulu-Natal Department of Health, employees that are visiting various hospitals in the province, 
in normal clothing, not in their uniforms, trying to uh, just determine the services that's being provided to patients that go through to these hospitals. So what you're putting out there, Ramba, it's actually taking place. And Newsbreak will bring you more about that throughout the week. We do have Selvan Gavinder who's on the line. Very good afternoon, Selvan. Uh, good afternoon, Teresa. Sorry for yesterday's uh, inconvenience. Nevertheless, how are you, my dear? I'm well. How are you doing, Salvin? All right. Teresa, I, I would like to... It, it, it's a burning desire for me to say this. Right now, I, I think it's definitely important that I say this. Mm-hmm. Yes, Go ahead. I've made lots of uh, negative comments about the Indians. I want to say it like it is. And yet we start the struggle. But now what confuses me is, or is an element of paradox, we have an Indian, two Indians in the EFF, and I want to mention it because it's on Facebook and it's everywhere, Dr. Yusuf Fada. So what the question I'd like to ask is, are they singing for the supper? Because Julius Malema has done the very same to Zuma as well. And, uh, and we all know Zuma has been irregular. But the point I'd like to very nicely bring across through to you, this is what I want to say. Okay. As far as politics goes, the opposing discharging of trade association of one party leader is a deafness especially if one owes a paying position. So it does not come as a satellite that two EFFs, so-called Indian comrades, Dr. Eunice Vauda and Vivis Gavi, have stood for a second defending Julius Malama as not being a racist. So what I'd like to ask you is, is Julius Malama racist or not? Because you know we all fought the struggle. You know, you said it earlier on as well, mm-hmm. and I agree with you. One cannot be a loyal Lotus uh, listener, neither can one be a loyal uh, ANC supporter, and then let us down now. So, uh, Selvan, if you don't mind, I'm going to leave it there because I think you brilliantly brought your point across. Uh, I'm just going to, you know, take some time to get some I other callers through. But what what I want to is a brilliant point that you brought uh, through is about what Julius Malema is saying and him being a racist. It's something that we posed through to the EFF during our newsbreak talk debates as well. Is you know their stance in when it comes in terms of the Indian community and many times they've actually told newsbreak talk host Suresh Hari Prashad that they aren't racist but i think it's something that maybe we should push a little further more on but brilliant point coming through from selvin governor we have colin from cape town that's on the line a very good afternoon colin good afternoon good afternoon Dania. how are you how are you? i'm well how are you doing oh uh, so so we're getting a cold front coming here again more rain tonight and tomorrow <laughs> oh well please don't send it towards kwazulu natal <laughs> uh, what's gonna say do you know in 2017 when i heard that uh, vote of no confidence against zuma mm-hmm uh, a couple of days later, they discovered that 26 of the ANCs voted against. You know what I mean? They voted for yes. Zuma to leave, yeah? Yes. And they tried to scout around and find out who the 26 were. Well, eventually, you now they found out. I think it was one of them. But uh, it just shows those 26 guys knew what Zuma was up to and where the country was heading. You see? Yes. Where the country was heading, and they, 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 they thought to themselves, no, no, we've got to either make a change here, because this is going a bit too far with state capture and all this stuff. But as the rest that voted for Zuma, they were there just there to safeguard their positions, their seats, and their pay packets. And they are so corrupt. You know what I mean? 
Yes. Well, I think that's a point we're also discussing and, and that's a question I posed earlier and, and what you're saying is also the truth behind that is, will this now, is this just a move to get rid of ANC, NEC member Derek Hanukum as well? Because there were many others who actually voted in that no confidence motion and voted for former President Jacob Zuma to get yeah. out. Thank you so much for your comment, okay. Colin. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye. Now we're going through to uh, Scully, who's called us. Very good afternoon, Scully. Uh, good, day, good day to you. Um, thing. Um, my take is I might just shift a little bit, man, from the political scene. Okay. It, it, it covers the political also. Um, eventually, if somebody could just tell us, if you get somebody or maybe yourself, uh, about NHI, National Health Insurance. How is it going to work for the layman? What's the benefits for it? Uh, you know, there's so much of talk about it, and now it's... Uh, going to be running and so on, laid out. What, how does it work? How, where do we go, you know, the layman in the street and pensioners and so on? What is really happening? You know, the treatment side of it. Okay, if Please. that's what you want, that's what we're going to bring you on Newsbreak Talk. Scully, stay tuned. I'm going to bring you a full, uh, you know, uh, an example of what the national health insurance is, an explanation of it, so you understand better about the national health insurance. Stay tuned to the program. Before the end of it, I'll bring you more on that. We have Sheila uh, on the line. Good afternoon, Sheila. Good afternoon. Uh, I just want to mention, because, you know, there's so much of talk about the Khan mm-hmm. and various institutions in this country. You know, uh, you know, in the past I've been speaking a lot about corruption as well. But we need to understand mm-hmm. what is going on in government at the moment. Government, we all know, even you people know because you work for the SABC, there are no funds. Government does not have funds. They're working on a debt at the moment. And that debt is going to bring this country down. The more public enterprises, everybody make demands of the government, they're increasing the debt of the country and the reducing the functionality of this country and we are going to slide deeper deeper mm. into a con- country that is not going to function mm. but you know one could say what mm-hmm. i want to say about the hospital you know they need to understand that hospital it can't they took the ceo out and they're blaming him it's got nothing to do with him. He has been there for I don't know how many years. Mm. It, uh, I had conversations with him and the previous minister, Dr. Dlomo. The fact remains is uh, Dr. Dlomo was quite uh, outspoken. He said that they increased, they no longer, the Khan is serving the surrounding area. They increased the workload of that hospital and they don't have the funds uh, to increase the staffing. Mm. And what happened? That CEO was, uh, had the brain to actually uh, ask people to volunteer. And a lot of volunteers go to that hospital to help the hospital out. Sheila, if I could just come in with a point there before I go to the, the next and the last caller. You know, something that you mentioned, a funding problem that we all know, the SABC having it, the government hospitals having it. But in terms of that, yes, you can have a, a funding problem. But with the yes, staff I that you do have... I also want to mention this particular patient that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. That person 
already had gangrene, which is rotting flesh. Mm -hmm. And so you can't blame the hospital uh, to say he went in to get his legs amputated because it was gangrene. And that obvious was spreading throughout his body. And so, as I said, it has to do with the shortages within the hospital, giving one patient two hours of treatment with thousands and thousands of patients that come to the hospital. And Sheila, we'll leave it there with you. I want to go through to another caller before we, we run short yes, of time. But, but, the, but what did those family mm-hmm. do uh, prior to that? When they investigate, they will find out. Because a person, when they are given medication for diabetes, etc., they give them a diet sheet. They're supposed to follow it so gangrene doesn't set in with the patient. Did they- Definitely. But Sheila, I have to leave it there with you. I want to give everyone the opportunity to comment on the program. You, you brought through some brilliant points there, but it's also good to note that even though you may have a funding problem or a shortage of resources, you still have to give the necessary and proper care to all patients that are admitted at a government hospital who are going through to a a local clinic. Everybody deserves that good care. And it's part of the oath that some of the medical practitioners do take as well. Uh, We're going to go to the last caller, and that's Mr. Louis Pillay. A very good afternoon, Mr. Pillay. Good afternoon to you. I think just to continue from yesterday's topic, I think a way forward. You know, Sam has been so much on the drug side. He is one of our icons and he is our leader in drug. Hmm. But the way forward is to have a demonstration, an old placard at the drug den and stop the buyers from, from, from buying and stop the sellers. I think by doing that, you're stopping the residents in the area. Then you go for the eye guide, like the route where the drugs are coming from. But the residents need to support the CPF and, the, and, and also the sector policy. They need to stand together in order to support that so the drugs don't go to school level. Definitely. And, you know, thank you for your, for calling us and your point that you brought across uh, today, Mr. Pillay. And I think that's also something that goes out to all the co- uh, councillors, because that was something that the Anti-Drug Forum uh, director, Sam Pillay, said yesterday. He did challenge all councillors and uh, he also uh, challenged you to come forward, bring some of those names of the drug dealers that you may know, the people who are dealing drugs in your community, come through, call the Anti-Drug Forum and let them know about that. Meet with them, discuss that you can even do it anonymously and you can take that forward so that police can act upon that information. I'm going to go to the WhatsApp line right now uh, with a message that came through regarding the RK Khan Hospital story as well. This message from Raman Singh, I was admitted to the hospital last year from the 16th of April 2018 to the 10th of May 2018. I was diagnosed with uh, a pericardial effusion in my heart. I was in the ICU ward for two weeks and treatment was very good. Then transferred to the general ward. I was very cared for and the treatment was well. Even though I was in the general, the doctors used to take bloods every second. When I was when I questioned the doctor, he said he doesn't want me to pick up any other diseases in the ward uh, with getting good treatment and on the road to good recovery. I can't see how this man had uh, developed maggots in his mouth that coming through from Raman regarding the RK Khan story. So various opinions coming through regarding this uh, story, some good experiences and some very bad and unfortunate ones. Uh, a message coming through from just LA. That's all I can see uh, so far as your name. 
And it says nothing new about the Hanukkah talks with the opposition. The EFF is politically expected uh, anything to further their quest for power. It's no secret that Ace Magashule is working with the EFF. Remember, after the elections, Ace called for Malema to return to the ANC with no mandate to make such a call. And the biggest mistake any politician can make is to trust the uh, gossiper in chief. And he says a, a strategic move by the EFF to further the divide in the ANC. See and that message. Unfortunately, you haven't sent your name through, but thank you so far for that. We have a message from uh, Rini Padiachi as well, who has sent us a message regarding that uh, story. And the message from Rini says, uh, Rini Shaw, Scottsboro, that's where you're from, Rini. She says, instead of inter house political corruption between members of parliament, clean up our basic services of our daily lives. What happened to Ubuntu? Doesn't people's lives matter in? Anymore? What happened to oaths people take according to their professions? Is it all about money over lives? And she says, thank you, awesome program. Oh, thank you for tuning in, Rini Padiachi. And uh, just a few more messages coming through. One from Shireen saying uh, she would like to know how does the gangrene, uh, what about it, you want to know? She just says, how does the gangrene? She says, explain the maggots. No checkups on the patients done. And that's from Shireen. Well, uh, as we've mentioned, Shireen, there's a developing case. You can t- stay tuned to Newsbreak to get more about that. We will keep in touch with uh, Durban attorney Thiessen Pillay, who's representing the family, to find out more about their journey when it comes to the this uh, claim that's going through to the Department of Health. Stay tuned. This is Newsbreak Talk with me, Talisha Naidu. Coming up, we're going to have more of the top stories. I'm going to take more of your voices and your opinions on the program. Well, before I get to more of your opinions on some of our top stories, we did have a call from Scully who wanted to know more about the National Health Insurance. Well, we spoke to the Department of Health Deputy Director General of NHI, and that's Dr. Anban Pillay, about the National Health Insurance. And is uh, one step closer now to becoming a reality after Cabinet approved the NHI Bill of 2018 and is now ready to be tabled and debated in Parliament. So basically what we're establishing is the National Health Insurance Fund, which will basically pool funds from the public and private system into a single fund that will then buy medical services for all South Africans. So basically what it means is that uh, if you are going to a general practitioner, the NHI fund will contract that general practitioner to deliver services for you, or if you go into the pharmacy, it will uh, contract the pharmacy to provide medicines for you, etc. So the fund will be the purchase of those services, which is a change from the current system where you either must go to a public facility to access services, or if you, only if you have medical aid will you be able to go to a private facility. So this model changes the way the health system is structured. The intention is obviously that the system must be cheaper but effective at the same time so that people don't wait long, in long queues in order to access care. Now, there are several dark clouds hanging over some public hospitals, most recently at the RK Khan Hospital in Chatsworth. How will this bill actually help in aiding such uh, public hospitals? So one of the things that we're establishing and uh, entrenching in the bill is that the, the fund will be buying services directly from hospitals, including a hospital like RK Khan. And RK Khan will be governed by a board. And that board will be fully accountable for the services that are that are going to be delivered there. So if RK Khan fails to deliver services 
in accordance with the Office of Health Standards Compliance, then Archie Khan will lose its accreditation and certification, and that will have implications for them. So they ha- uh, will, will obviously have to comply with the service standards under the NHI in order to continue to deliver services, because otherwise patients will simply go somewhere else, and the fund will obviously pay for that. How will NHI be funded and how much is it expected to stand at? The uh, cost of NHI will be around 256 billion rand. And the way it will be funded is basically through uh, a taxation system. This bill is now set to go to Parliament for debate. What are some of the immediate goals of this new NHI bill? So the immediate goals of the bill are to establish an NHI fund. And that NHI fund is intended to contract services, particularly for vulnerable groups. So the areas that we would be targeting particularly are uh, 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 children, uh, uh, pregnant women, uh, 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 as well as the elderly and, and those with disabilities, so that we can provide services for them. And that, you will see, is probably the initial phases of the NHI program. And that was Dr. Anban Pali talking there to Newsbreak's Tashra Naidu about the NHI. I hope that answers some of your uh, questions this afternoon, uh, Scully. I'm going to go now to the WhatsApp line because we do have some messages coming through regarding the top stories as well as a voice note that has come through. Hi, Newsbreak. Kim, this is Daniel Joshua Challen. Malema is a person that is fighting for economic freedom, according to himself. But he didn't pay his taxes, and he, when he was caught out, he paid it without even fighting back. So how can he actually fight for freedom, for uh, economic freedom for the poor people when he himself was robbing the poor people and not paying taxes? This seems to be a dirty laundry throughout with each other. Wait and watch the space because very soon there will be the dirty laundry of Malama coming out as well. Thank you. Well, thanks. Uh, that's message coming through from Daniel Joshua Chellen. Also some messages uh, here from Simone. Simone's talking about the RK Khan Hospital story uh, related to that. She says, hi, my dad was admitted in Addington Hospital in one uh, was treated with utmost respect. Excellent treatment from both the doctors and nurses and was then moved to another ward and the nursing staff was rude to get the attention was just another problem my thing was why go study nursing when you cannot hold the responsibility of this job why can't you try to uh, uh, something different and uh, that must start with changing the staff as well Uh, that message coming through from Simone Tyron in Mandeni saying uh, his take on the EFF for barking is causing the country to deteriorate. He says who will come to South Africa to invest when Malema is causing havoc? He is good in dividing the ruling party, but it won't be a shocker when his name appears at the Zondo Commission. He only barks at Praveen Godan because uh, Praveen is a tough guy and a no-nonsense person and he does not allow state capture. Tyron goes on to say that's the whole reason why they don't want him there. And that message coming through from Tyron in Mandeni. Well, you can keep sending us your messages. You have a few more minutes uh, until the program ends at precisely 15. That number is 0716137803. Or you can call us in studio on 0893108789. Madhu sends us uh, a message uh, here as well and also a message coming through from 
from Anonymous uh, talking about the ideal world a placard demonstration would work. However, we have a society that protects drug dealers. How many times have law enforcement and law enforcement officers been assaulted and prevented from carrying out an arrest? If we say that we have a drug problem in Chatsworth, why do protest marches attract such low numbers? The anti-drug forum's hard work will come to naught as long as we have a community steeped in apathy. And that message coming through from Anonymous. Well, also a point that Mr. Louis Pillay brought upon, and that was with regards to the talk show that we held yesterday with the ADF uh, director, that's Sam Pillay, about drug dealing now becoming a family business. Well, during that uh, talk show, we did have many messages and callers who spoke about the effects of of drugs, but South Africa is definitely facing a drug epidemic, which is quietly taking over both major cities and small towns in the country. Yesterday, when we spoke to the ADF uh, director, Sam Pillay, about this epidemic, he said that it's something that is not growing, but has already grown. And just after the program, Newsbreak received a phone call from a recovering drug addict who is eager to share her story with the world. 28-year-old Candace David started her substance abuse journey when she was only 14 years old. David takes us down memory lane to tell us how it all started. So when I started smoking weed, it was just a thing that I used to smoke at school with my friends. It was nothing like it was. To me, it wasn't a big deal. Later on, as I um, grew older and whatever, um, I started going to parties. And then that is when I discovered like other types of drugs. So throughout my school, I was smoking crystal meth and then my mother passed away and then things like this got difficult and I was just like not at home anymore. I was just doing my own thing and then I got more into like being on the street. Throughout that period of you taking drugs, I know you did lose your mum, but did your family not try to speak to you, have some interventions to help you stop those habits? No, I knew. I was like always private about it because I didn't want anybody to know. Um, when my mother passed away, it was like um, I never spoke about my feelings and like being with my friends was always an escape. So it went on for a really long time and then I started um, when I was done with school and studies. And then like things just changed for me where like I was really into what I was studying. When now after my studies, I was at home for a while. And then I think that um, the fact that I didn't deal with what happened to me, it got to me when I was like older. Um, I think I was 22. And then I came across, uh, you know, when I think they call it in Durban, it's called it sugars. Mm-hmm. But I started it smoking in Cape Town. For like two years, I was smoking, um, you know, and I, like, I thought I had it maintained and whatever because I was working. I was staying on my own. I had like everything going for myself. And then, like four years down the line, I noticed that by losing everything, then I only realized that, okay, no, I don't have it under control anymore. Candace, at any point in your journey, did you hit rock bottom where you did something that you thought you could never, ever do in your life? There was something that I was like disappointing myself is like, I started um, stealing from home. When I, when I lost everything, I had to move back to my father. Um, then I slowly like, started 
taking things from home and whatever. And then when I started like doing that, I realized to myself that I can't do this anymore because I already lost everything that I've worked for. Now I'm stealing from my father and then like I just decided that I can't do this anymore, I need help. Where do you find yourself in your journey right now? Two years ago, I started going to ADF. Yeah, and when I was the ADF, like, I've been to rehab and yeah, whatever, but not that it didn't help me. When I came out of rehab, I started smoking again. And then when I went to ADF, it's like, it was like a difference for me. Like, they made me realize a lot about my life and that I don't actually need this in my life anymore. Like, these bigger things. It wasn't long after I started the ADF, I started working again. So, like, I'm still, like, slowly starting to, to build up again to get on the right path. And that was Candace David, a 28-year-old recovering drug addict. She started her journey with substance abuse at just 14 years old. And that is, uh, and she's on a road to recovery right now. Following our program yesterday, she called the studio just to share her story with all of us. Well, moving to the WhatsApp line now, uh, still some messages coming through regarding the RK Khan Hospital, the state of hospitals in the province of KwaZulu-Natal. Anonymous saying people need to understand the state Staff are overworked. The patient was diabetic. Family cannot blame the staff for the incident. You have five nurses and so many sick people. Hospitals need to get more nurses. There is more paperwork than caring that's actually taking place. And that message coming through from Anonymous. Well, also a statement being sent to us uh, from uh, the National Minister of Health, uh, that's Dr. Zuele Mkize, about the uh, healthcare system failing in our country. Uh, just a snippet from the statement saying, let me state at the outset that the provision of health care services in South Africa is in a toxic state uh, of disrepair as mismanagement, poorly trained administrative staff, incompetent and apathetic personnel and a whole plethora of uh, dignitaries uh, uh, aspects and depletes and diminishes a vital service that is absolutely necessary. And that's a statement that's coming through from the minister himself, Dr. Zwele Mkize. Well, you can keep sending us your messages, voice notes, or even call us in studio. The WhatsApp number is 0716137803. The studio number to call us and give us some of your comments and views on our top stories is 089-310-8789. You have exactly about seven minutes left for you to comment on some of those top stories. But before we get to the lines, the WhatsApp line and the call lines for your views. Families and friends as well as colleagues of the late musician Johnny Clegg have bid their farewell to the singer in a memorial service in Santon, north of Johannesburg. Now while Clegg was laid to rest in a private ceremony last Wednesday, family, friends, music lovers and colleagues from the entertainment industry gathered on Friday to pay tribute to the music icon. While Clegg died last Tuesday after a long battle with pancreatic cancer, he was just 66 years old. So like Akodashe has more. delight to have Johnny Clegg in the studio with me. I have to say, um, this is a man who has impacted on my life in a variety of ways. This is a man who truly encapsulates uh, the true spirit of a generation of South Africans. What a legend. A mambo 
Johnny Clegg's spirit was alive in the auditorium as music and heartfelt tributes poured out on the stage. Everyone close to him remembering him in his true sense, a staunch advocate for social justice and a leader that stood out during a time when many were afraid to do so. Clegg's son, Jesse, also paid tribute to his father. He says nothing was more important to his father than his family. Jesse Clegg gave an emotional tribute to the man he says was a great role model. Jesse says it is impossible to explain the loss suffered by his family. In 2017, my dad and I wrote a song together. It's a song about the things in life that you can't replace. To my dad, that was his family. Despite his success, he regarded his role in his family as his most important duty. He was a vulnerable, generous, and loving role model for my brother and I. He taught us to be curious about the world and to shape our lives around our passion. He believed the greatest gift that a father could give a son is a strong moral compass. Ultimately, it's impossible for me to sum up what my dad was to my mother, my brother and me. I've been looking for something to lose I've been looking for something to prove Oh well, it's hard to find yourself Longtime friend and colleague to Clegg, Sipom Kuno says he has been left with a void since Clegg's passing. While reflecting on Clegg's life, author and veteran journalist Max Dupree said the country will continue to be educated by Clegg's spirit. Johnny Clegg was the brilliant artist and superb communicator that we all knew and love still. We will continue to be educated, to be energized, enlightened, enthused, entertained, and enthralled by the spirit of Johnny Clegg, the great builder. Arts and Culture Minister Nating Tetwa has described the man who was fondly known as the White Zulu as a true African who became one of the country's best cultural exports. Minister Mtetwa says Clegg played a big role in uniting South Africans. Through the hit songs such as Asimbo Nanga, the scatterlings of Africa, Clegg carved out a music career that placed him alongside the best South African cultural exports, amongst others, the late Brahuma Sikela, Gerard Sikoto, Brenda Fasi. He was a symbol of reconciliation, a true African who understood African culture.
And that's the perfect and fitting way to end the program this afternoon. Thank you for all the messages, the voice notes and the calls in studio that we have received this afternoon. We do appreciate it. That's it. And my bid for the day, uh, that's uh, Newsbreak Talk was with me, Talisha Naidu. The program came your way courtesy of the team led by executive producer Salma Patel, technical producer this afternoon. Manning the phone lines was Hussein Ibrahim. Stay tuned to Newsbreak. We'll be back tomorrow between 6 and 7 a.m with more cutting-edge current affairs. Lots to listen to for in the program and also at 1 to 1.30 tomorrow afternoon. That's it from me. It's uh, to news next with Sareshan.